Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Ah, August Saturdays, you know, they're flying by. Ton of things going on in the garden. Obviously, we're just fighting battles all over. Uh, today, we're going to have uh, Art Crockett from Bonide back on. It's been a few weeks since we've talked with Art, and we're going to start talking about a you know, some of the fall kind of things we can do, you know, everything from kind of the fall webworm that's showing up to lawns to preventative for, you know, fall, winter, and, uh, you know, even next spring. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of those things we can do. But the first thing I want to touch base on is rain. We just keep getting rain and rain and rain. Now, what I want to tell people is the question that people keep coming in, okay, and asking, or if their problem is, you know, their plants are having problems, well, we've had a lot of rain. What do you mean I have to water? So that's kind of the question I want to start the show out with. And I kind of want to, this is a kind of hot button topic for me. I talk a lot about water. If you haven't noticed that on all the shows, I talk about water all the time. It's the lifeblood. I'm sitting here on this radio station talking, and I've got a glass of water next to me. Now, that's not because I might get dry, dry mouth, well, maybe a little bit, or I cough or whatnot, but it really has to do, it's the lifeblood of every person. Why should it be any different for your plants? And it's not. It's the number one thing. Now, too much of a good thing is always bad. You know, so we have to moderate things a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about July and August because it has been wet. It's been unseasonably cool, which has been great. I love it. This is the best summer in my existence, I swear to God. This is, it's been so odd. Okay, let's think about the whole year as a whole. Super cold in the early spring, winter months. Kind of cold, you know, early spring, wet, not very nice in April, May, June, July, and now August. I'm sorry. We kicked it out of the park here. I mean, we're, you know, goal, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, just pick a saying. It's just amazing. Now, let's hope we get the nice Indian summer that we always get in September and October. It's got to end at some point. But let's talk about water. First off, rain. Okay, we've got a lot of rain. Now, I want to give you a little heads up on my situation in my yard because every single yard is different, and that's why I want to talk about this today. Okay, I'm on a heavy clay, loam-based soil in my yard. I have areas in my yard when it rains, I have standing water for two or three days. Okay, so I have very heavy soil in my yard. Okay, then I've got other customers that have really nice loam, silty loam, holds moisture well, but drains well. Then we've got other customers that have gravelly clay, you know, gravelly sandy soil, you know, that might be in Old Orchard Beach or in Kennebunk or right along the shoreline, or they could be right in the heart of Yarmouth or Freeport, you know. So every soil type you kind of have to understand your yard. So if you've bought a house in the last few years, you need to know your soil type. If you've lived there for 20 years, you need to know your soil type. Now, here's kind of a, an example, okay? Uh, the Yarmouth Garden Center, 
at the top of the hill next to the road, it is absolute sand. The middle of the property is beautiful loam. The bottom of the property, since we're on kind of a pitch, at the bottom it is complete clay. Now, is that crazy or what? We're talking probably 1,000, 1,500 feet in depth, and we have all three soil types. So within your yard, you could have two or three soil types. It could also be around your foundation is sandy because they backfilled with a lot of sand, and they never put good soil in. So within your yard, you need to make an understanding of what's going on. Now, I'm that prime example, okay? A house was built. They hauled all the loam off. They brought back wonderful gravel, and they put three to four inches of topsoil back on top of it. My house, right around the house, probably 50 feet around, is very gravelly, sandy soil. It is the area that my lawn dries out the quickest, and then as you go away from the house, it gets into nice loam, and then it goes to heavy clay where, you know, water stands. So I have the whole gamut. Now, the areas where I know it's heavier clay because I've dug holes and I've hit heavy clay, I haven't had to water as much. Okay? Now, I'm not even, I might be watering once a week on some of these plants. But what I'm doing is I'm gauging those plants every week. I go out every two or three days. I stick a shovel down. I kind of dig around, see if the soil is moist. See if that new root system is moist. Okay? And I'm having great success. No problems whatsoever. So here's the general rule of thumb. Once you know your soil type, then we can kind of back up and give you a little bit more accurate, you know, recommendations for water. We have had a lot of customers over the last couple weeks coming in saying, my plant's not doing well. Why is that? What am I doing wrong? And nine times out of ten, they're in that sandy, gravelly soil. And we feel like we've had a lot of rain, and we have. But for sandy, gravelly soil, the water just doesn't stay in it. It just percolates right through, along with your nutrients. That's the other thing. With sandy soils, you just don't have nutrients to sustain plants the same as you do in a loam soil or a clay soil. So if you think you're going to go ahead and do some planting, if you're coming to the garden center, dig a hole. Find out what your soil is in that particular area of your yard. It's not always your fault. I have a couple plants that are in a real wet spot. And I knew they were going to kind of struggle. I figured I'd plant them in July and the soil would dry out and they would get established quite well. It'd be the drier time of year. They'd put on good root system. They would kind of acclimate a bit. And then the wetter times of year, it would struggle a little bit, but it would start to adjust. I haven't had that period on a couple of those plants. So, my, you know, they're struggling along a little bit. They're a little too wet. I've had to make sure and drain some water off of those areas at times. So, you know, not everybody has the perfect conditions for every plant. 
Okay, so here's my general rule of thumb. When you're going to go ahead and check for water, dig down on your plants. Get down there in where the root system is. So here's the thing. You've got new plants. That root system that was in that pot or that bald and burlap has got to stay moist. The surrounding soil may be wet, but that root ball may not be. So that's what we're checking. We're not checking the surrounding soil. We're checking the actual root system of the plant that you put in the ground. That is where we make the distinction. For the first year, that's why we water so often. That's why we make sure that that particular root system is staying moist. When we get heavy rain, a lot of times it just greens up the lawns, but it doesn't get down too deep. Okay? We have had good rain, so things have been running on the wet side. That can change in a week, folks. All we need is a little heat and humidity, and everything will change. So, I'm not going to beat this to death forever, okay? But if you feel like you're having problems with any of your plants, call us. We can talk about it, what type of soil it is, make some recommendations. Again, use our mobile app, shoot a picture off. That's a thousand words. You shoot that picture off, it's a thousand words. So certainly don't don't worry about you know it too much, but just keep an eye on your plants right now. We're going to go from real wet to real dry in a short period of time. Here's another question from a customer about their lawn. I live in Freeport. I have a large yard, and around my home, every single summer, my lawn dries up right around the house. See, classic example. We're talking about the same scenario. The The closest 50 feet to my garden beds always dries up. I, ha- I reseed every year with some grass seed I keep buying from Ace Hardware. What am I doing? Am I buying the wrong seed? Am I not watering enough? Am I not fertilizing enough? I'm just stumped. I keep redoing it. It looks great for a short period of time, and then it dies off every summer. Okay, great question. So here's the thing. We'll go back to the soil and the water a little bit because these kind of tie together. So I suspect we've got the same thing. We talked about that gravelly soil right around the house. Okay, there's the first thing I'm thinking. Number two, do we have a grub problem? Probably not where it's occurring every year and it's at the same time of year. But we need to dig a hole. Dig a hole, kind of loosen that soil, see if there's any white grubs. It may not be Japanese beetle. It may be some other grub. So we have to think about that. But probably not likely. Then we'd have to think about, well, do we have a fungus problem? That's possible. But probably, again, not likely. Let's talk about the seed, okay? Because I want everybody to understand when it comes to grass seed, there's many different levels of grass seed. Many different levels and qualities of grass seed. So this is the number one place I always want to start. If we're reseeding, you know, and not to say Ace Hardware has bad seed. I'm not. We all carry different grades of seed. You as a consumer need to be informed on that. 
okay? So the first thing you need to do is turn that bag over and look at the label. It's no different than, you know, going to the grocery store and looking at the ingredients in that box of macaroni and cheese. You just want to look at what you're buying, okay? What you're getting for your money. So we turn the bag over and we look at the grass seed mixture, okay? The first thing I want to look for is, are there any annual grasses in that seed? If there is, put it back on the shelf, okay? Think about it. Do you want to buy a grass that's going to die in the fall? No. Absolutely not. You've done all this work. You've prepped the area. You've got your soil right. You've done everything you can. You've watered. You've done... And then 25 to 40% of the seed dies in the fall. Well, how frustrating is that? Now, if you seeded it in the spring, it could die in the summer. From heat, lack of water, whatever it might be. So that's the first thing. How do you delineate a good seed or a decent seed with a terrible seed? In my opinion, if it's got any annual grass seed, put it back on the shelf and basically leave it alone. A lot of people will call it contractor mix. And the reason they call it contractor mix is because when a contractor builds a home, they're looking for an inexpensive grass seed that comes up quick, that when they sell the home, they're done. There's no more going back. Okay, so what ends up happening is you've got a lawn that dies out over the next couple of years. Okay, and the reason that happens is because they put a large portion is annual grass seed. Comes up great, looks wonderful, quick growing, looks nice and green for the home sale, and then boom, it's gone. Okay, so we've got good seed. That's you know, not a problem. So we've reseeded, you know, we did that. It, we got it. It looks good. Come midsummer, we always have a problem. It's dying out. The likelihood is it's probably hand in hand water and then also your soil. I suspect your lawn is going dormant because you said it happened over the last four to six weeks. That's July and August. Okay. If you think back to July, we had a couple weeks that were really warm, super warm. I had areas in my yard that went dormant. Now, they're greening up now, okay, but they went dormant. So if your lawn isn't greening back up, then the likelihood is you may have had some annual seed that died in that drought, and secondly, you know, you've you've basically put the grass into dormancy. So I hope that helps because that's probably what happened. If you need more information and have some other, you know, things to add to that, give me a call at the garden center. Okay, because there's a lot of variables. It's always good to bring in pictures. You know, we can go through it, but sometimes we have to back and forth the questions. Okay. So A common problem right now, you're not alone. I've had five or six other customers in the last couple weeks come in with the same scenario. 
same problem, you know, grass going dormant, dying out, and it all goes back to those two weeks in July when we had heat and humidity and my lawn did started to do the same thing. I put a sprinkler on it, no more problems. Okay? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Are you an organic gardener? Finally, there's a fast-working and effective all-organic insect control available from Bonide. Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew is the answer to all your garden insect problems. Captain Jack's works two ways, on contact and when the insect feeds. This will ensure that your insect problems are over. Captain Jack's controls all types of insects, including caterpillars, beetles, spider mites, boars, and more. Use it on vegetables, flowers, berries, trees, shrubs, and fruit. Captain Jack's all-organic insect control is available in easy-to-use dust, liquid concentrate, ready-to-use and ready-to-spray containers with built-in spray applicator. Pick up some Bonite Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew today at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or bonide.com. Arr. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. News, sports, and weather are all just a tap away on your smartphone. Now, the gardening expertise of Estabrooks is too. With the Estabrooks mobile app for your Apple or Android device, you can earn rewards with each visit, browse thousands of plant photos and descriptions, and get answers to your gardening questions all in one place. Plus, don't miss out on exclusive in-app deals you won't find anywhere else. Visit your mobile marketplace to download the app today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're going to bring Art Crockett from uh, Bonite in, and we're going to be talking about all those summer, fall things we need to do. Art, how are you today? Great, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, uh, uh, here we are. It's uh, August 23rd today, so we're getting towards fall. Uh, We're thinking about, uh, you know, all those fall projects we need to do, and and one of the things, obviously, we have all those fall insects that are starting to show up. And uh, let's face it, you know, it's been a battle all season with a lot of stuff out there. And, uh, you know, with all the rain and humidity and fungal problems. But now we're starting to kind of, you know, have some problems in the fall, like fall webworm and scale and, you know, leaf rollers for next year. You know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, some preventative things we might be able to do on, on say, fall webworm. Okay. Well, um, you know, as, as it gets later in the season, we, we start thinking about the immediate needs and also the planning ahead, kind of as you uh, referred to. The, the fall webworm, you know, was uh, caused some trouble in, in several types of trees and fruit trees and uh, uh, ornamentals and, you know, uh, oaks and so on. But, uh, mm. you know, of course, the first thing I think of is, is to try to prune it out, you know, if it's right. a good-sized tree and you can get there, you know, if it's not too big that you can get where where the 
test is. The best thing is to prune it out, but then be aware of, you know, the possibility of, uh, of that pest continuing. And, and of course, you know, living through the winter, it pupates and, and down in the soil and, and, uh, coming back next year. So, you know, the, the products that you might use right away, we, we have a, a product called Caterpillar Killer, uh, which comes in a hose end that you can spray quite a distance with, mm-hmm. uh, of course, our Captain Jack is perfect for that as well. That's a great, uh, uh, good organic, safe insecticide for that type of insect, any mm-hmm. kind of chewing insect, really, caterpillars and beetles. Right. Um, and then the other thing I think of are the uh, uh, neem oil or the or the horticultural oil, ours we call all-seasons oil. Mm-hmm. And that, in addition to killing the pest, it would uh, coat and suffocate any eggs and larvae. So, you know, as we get later in the season, uh, that's the type of product I would suggest you know, to use uh, as a preventative for the following year. Right, right. Uh, works on several different, you mentioned scale too. But uh, Now, on, but, on uh, fall webworm, is it important if they need to poke a hole in that web to get, you know, that, that spray in there? So, yeah, you know, sometimes it's pretty thick. I had some tent caterpillars uh, earlier in the year this year, and, you know, I had the same type of thing. I had to really... Uh, uh, you know, get it, get it there to get get them because that that web can get pretty thick around there. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, it kind uh, of sheds everything right off. There yeah, and on all the foliage around them as well. Yeah, yeah. So scale, scale seems to be you know an increasing problem, specifically on magnolias. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of that uh, showing up, and I just had some uh, come in on an apple tree. Uh, just a couple days ago, and so you know, it's it's kind of out there in the environment. I had a cherry not long ago that that had a bunch of scale problems. So it seems like you know, usually I find a lot of scale problems when we have a hot, dry summer. But for some reason this year, I'm not sure if just the moisture's been right or the conditions. Normally, I would say it's not been a, a, the right conditions for scale, but it seems to be popping up everywhere. Yeah, I see a lot on. Uh the hollies and euonymus as well, mm-hmm. the evergreen one in particular. Um, you know, any plant that's stressed, and the best you can take care of a plant by feeding it properly and watering properly, planting it in the right location and so on, goes a long way towards not having pests. Uh, but uh, if you do get the scale, uh, our neem oil is uh, excellent for that. Uh, it coats and suffocates and, and kills the uh, crawler stage as well as uh, the adult that you have to, you know, keep after it a bit. It may take applications because they're so tough. Uh, again, if you have a severe outbreak, you can prune out the worst branches. Um, but again, to spray it in through the dormant season because uh, the, the neem oil and our all-seasons oil will, will kill the eggs as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a long-term plan to keep the scale away for next year as well. Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about, you know, that all-season oil or what we sometimes call dormant oil. There's kind of two formulations there that we can do. You know, there's a dormant application that's stronger that will smother those wonderful, uh, you know, eggs uh, in the winter months. But that all-season oil and neem oil, we do need to be cautious about temperatures when we spray that, correct? That's right. Uh, You know, I use uh, 85 degrees as a cutoff temperature for, you know, really any product, whether it's, you know, a lawn product or in your garden or what have you, 85 is a pretty good uh, uh, temperature to say no more. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. you know, the other thing, too, is to spray in the evening when it's cooler, uh, even if it's going to be a warm day the following day, you're okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a few good reasons to spray in the evening anyway, less wind and, and, uh, you know, give the chance for the product to 
stay wet on the on the plant for longer, and then it you know would dry out by the time it got hot the following day. So spray in the evening and 85 degrees is my cutoff, especially for those uh, oil sprays like the neem and the all season. Right. The, this These products work really well, too, if you have a recurring problem like leaf roller or something like that, you know, where it comes back every single year, you know, using these oils in the fall, you know, really cut down. And, and when I say fall, I'm talking about after they've dropped all their leaves, clean up all those leaves, get them off of your property, and spray down the dormant plant that has no leaves on it. We smother all those eggs that are on the stem. You know, it, it can cut out a lot of problems for the falling year. Am I right on that? Absolutely. And, you know, the temperature on that, uh, 45 degrees is the low temp that we like to go uh, for the uh, dormant oil spray. So, uh, you know, if you catch a nice day in November when it's not too cold, um, that is ideal because of those overwintering uh, eggs there. And, Tom, you're, you're so right. To, to clean up all the debris, you know, goes a long way towards taking care of pest problems, whether it's a vegetable garden or an ornamentals. And, you know, those insects uh, also often that they uh, move down to the soil for the wintertime and, and, you know, even plant diseases too, you know, to take care of your, uh, um, you know, lilacs to get mildew or, or tomatoes with, with problems, get that stuff out of there, get those leaves out of there and, you know, remove them uh, and don't burn them, send them to the dump, you right. know, don't put them in your compost pile to live another day. So get get that stuff off your property and it goes a long way towards uh, prevention for the following year. Yeah, you've mentioned tomatoes and obviously we've had a lot of blight issues. We've had, you know, a lot of things, you know, black spots and all of that. Get those plants and pull them out. Don't till them into the soil, you know, where you're just going to fester more problems the following year. Let's pull them. I've got four plants, tomato plants in my garden. I've harvested just about all of the fruit now. I'm going to yank them out, get them off the property, not going to mess around with the compost pile with them. They've got some black spot and, you know, some blighty looking stuff, but I don't think I have blight, but I'm going to just take them and get rid of them. I'm, I'm not going to inoculate that soil, and, and that's very good advice for, for customers. Absolutely. Get, yeah, don't, don't keep that around. Get rid of it. Dig them up. Get rid of them. Yep. So, you know, obviously we're getting kind of towards fall. I mean, it's not fall yet. Let's face it, it's still summer. But let's talk about mouse magic because last year we talked a lot about it and, boy, did people rush right in. They bought it. They've come in and already talking about how wonderful the product worked. How early should we get mouse magic into our basements and, and things like that? I mean, we're late August, but can you can you start? Can you start too early? Uh, I, I, I suppose you probably couldn't. You know, you could, I, I guess, wait until you see the uh, the telltale signs and then uh, apply it, but you might not want to wait that long. Uh, so, you know, when the soil, when the weather starts turning and, and we start getting those crisper days and those mice and are looking for a warmer place to spend the winter, it's, it's time. You know, the, the mouse magic lasts for about 30 days, so it's a, a good idea to, you know, Get it uh, put where you need it, and then uh, you know give it about a month, and then a good idea to change it out again and put, put fresh in. So, so uh, I'd say first, you know, early September is probably the time I would think of uh, to get started with the mouse magic. So, probably be a good idea purchase a few packages so you don't have to run back to the garden center. You know, and that way you can kind of, you know, it's just like everything else we do. You know, whether it be you know flea and tick for the dogs or whatever, everything's on a monthly schedule. It seems like you know if you need four months. 
Grab four packages at that time. Don't mess around and think, oh, I'm going to remember to go change the mouse magic. Just pick it up and have it in the pantry, and you can just grab it and put it out once a month. That one comes in a 12-pack as well as a 4-pack, and they're all foil-packed, so they uh, won't go bad. You can keep them for a little while. That's perfect. Uh, 12-pack a little more economical. The, the way I look at it is I always take the four-pack and I put all four out at once. You know, I put one in each corner of the basement or one, you know, two in the basement, two in the first floor, you know, whatever, you know, depending on your house. Obviously, if you've got an older house, there's more holes and all of those things, you know, attic spaces and, you know, you know how, you know the, the drill. They're, yeah, they're great for uh, the garden shed and mm-hmm. and also if you have a boat that you uh, wrap up for the winter to put put it in there before. Uh, campers, uh, you know, perfect for campers. Mm-hmm. You know, those mice just seem to really like campers. So uh, to put, put a few in there for the winter and close it up and, you know, be done with it and, and uh, have no mice in there. And all, all, or- all organic, you know, which I which I love, you know, obviously with with mice, you know, repellents and stuff like that, you know, having an organic product work that works, you know, is really nice. Um, you know, obviously, if you've got a really bad situation, you may have to go a different route and and kind of, you know, do some preventative maintenance, let's say. Well, you know, Ron, I, we have uh, our revenge brand of. Uh, uh, other rodent products as well, Tom, you know. We have uh, baits and traps and so on uh, in addition to the mouse magic. So if you have a severe problem, you might need to bait. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about lawns when we come back. You know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, treating for some of that snow mold, maybe, you know, some of the seeding tips for fall, you know, all of those weeds that might come up. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Art after this quick break. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. 
Look for Espoma Organic Lawn Food Products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com slash videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're talking with Art Crockett from Bonide. And, uh, Art, we've been talking a lot about, you know, obviously fall insects and mouse magic. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about lawns because fall is a great time to talk lawns from a standpoint of getting rid of weeds, you know, and seeding, overseeding. It just it's, in my opinion, it's the best time to seed a lawn. It, it is, Tom, and I, I like to think of fall as the start of the year for lawn care mm-hmm. because if you get things going properly in the fall, uh, next year will be a breeze. Uh, you know, to me, I think we don't do enough weed prevention and, you know, seeding and all of that in the fall. You know, obviously fall becomes busy getting the kids back to school. You know, weekends are filled with pecking apples and, and doing all the fun stuff. You know, I mean, looking at foliage, taking a nice walk. But, boy, can you save a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of energy by doing some of these things in the fall. You know, just seeding, for instance, you cut your water time down huge, right? Absolutely. It's it's by far the best time of year to seed, uh, bar none. You know, you've had a rough summer and and uh, taking its toll, and the lawn might not be looking quite as good as it should by the end of summer, so fall is the time. You know, the, the weed killers actually work better in the fall than they do in the spring. Uh, you know, we have our product called Weed Beater Ultra, which is a broadleaf weed killer. It's selective, so it does not hurt the grass. It only kills the leafy weeds. And uh, and then uh, the nice thing about our product is that you only have to wait a couple of weeks before you can plant grass seeds. So you kill those weeds uh, first part of September, and then, uh, you know, by mid-September you can plant grass seed, which is the best time to do it. So, I mean, we're dead on right now. You know, I was telling a customer in the garden center a week ago saying, you know, clean up the area you're going to seed now. Wait a couple weeks when the temperatures are right and the moisture's right and everything, you know, but clean it up now, you know, so that you don't have the problems when you go to seed. And a lot of times customers don't think ahead and they just look at their lawn and go, oh, it looks awful, but the weeds have taken over. You know, crabgrass is a big thing this time of year too, right? Oh, uh, crabgrass is tough, you know, and, and it's uh, hard to get rid of it when it's so mature with the with the products that are selective to kill crabgrass, crabgrass without hurting the lawn. So if you have a severe crabgrass problem, uh, you know, understand that the crabgrass is actually going to die. Uh, it's an annual. It's left millions of seeds behind and will germinate again next spring. So, you know, as, as the crabgrass wanes this fall, uh, you can give it a boost and, and kill it with uh, our cleanup product, which is non-selective, kills everything. If you have a severe problem and you want to really do a renovation on your lawn, right. you can use our cleanup, but be careful again because that kills everything. Right. Okay. Or you can um, uh, seed right into the crabgrass after it's on its way out if you do it properly. Mm-hmm. Soil prep and seed-to-soil contact is so key uh, for success for planting grass seed. If you just throw the seed down... It's just not going to do that well. But if you aerate first, that's my uh, number one method is to rent one of those aerators or get one Mm -hmm. that you can pull on the back of your garden tractor, the one that takes out the plugs. Right. uh, As opposed, you know, they also make a thing called a slit seeder, but I really like the aerators. 
and you run over the lawn over and over again and really beat it up pretty good with that aerator, and then you'll get some good seed-to-soil contact when you when you uh, sow the good bonite grass seed. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have a grass seed for all occasions, some great mixes, sun and shade, full sun, dense shade. We have a heavy traffic and uh, drought-tolerant grasses and so on. Uh, so picking the right grass is, is important, but the proper prep is, is huge, and, of course, using a uh, starter fertilizer goes a long way as well. So let's back up to the seed, because I had a question that I answered before, you know, you, you came on the show today, that um, a customer had a, an area that keeps dying out every summer. And, uh, you know, they really weren't sure if there was grubs there. They, they you know, I suspect it's, number one, it's probably gravelly soil. So, you know, come July and August, it dries out and goes dormant, and some of it dies off. But they they were buying a grass seed from a, a local, you know, hardware store. And, you know, let's talk about, you know, some grass seeds that have annual seed in it, because I suspect she might be getting a cheap seed. And, you know, talk a little bit about annual seed and, and why some mixes have it, um, others don't. I mean, obviously, we don't carry, we carry the bonide seed, and, and that doesn't have annual seed uh, in, in, this, in the particular ones we, uh, we carry. Yeah, the annual ryegrass is uh, an unfortunate um, fact, and, and you'll find it in some uh, of the very inexpensive grass seed mixtures, and it's that for a reason, and and to understand that it's annual and not perennial and that it dies in the winter and does not come back. Uh, so, you know, all our grass seed mixes have the perennial uh, grasses in it mm-hmm. that, that uh, will live through the winter, and, and uh, you know, obviously that's the way to go. Uh, there are some legitimate reasons to use annual ryegrass. If you're going to, uh, you know, you have a slope in the spring and you have a landscaper coming to build a tie wall, he's not coming until the fall, you might plant annual ryegrass to hold the, uh, slope and stop erosion, you know, as a temporary fix. But, right. But for the most part, you know, annual ryegrass, not not very well recommended. And, you know, the grass seed types that we put in our mixtures, bluegrass, ryegrass, fescue, tall fescue, you know, are, are also much more important. And the breeding of those grasses to be darker green and, and disease-resistant and drought-tolerant, the deeply-rooted uh, grasses, you know, there's just so many other better choices these days uh, mm-hmm. than using anything with an annual in it. So, you know, obviously she might have been, you know, getting a seed and having some of those problems. Obviously, when annual seed goes dormant or dies, you know, it doesn't come back like other, you know, in the summer heat. You know, sometimes our perennial grasses, they can kind of go dormant, and then by watering, they can bounce back, correct? That's right. And in particular, bluegrass is the, the grass that's most... Uh, uh, known for that, you know, it it'll it will go dormant as a protection mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then it'll come back when we get the fall rain. So, uh, um, you know, some people like to water their lawn all summer and and you know irrigate and so on, and they say, boy, that bluegrass sure does need a lot of water. Well, yes, that's true if you want to keep it green all summer. But on the other hand, I consider it drought tolerant because it doesn't die. Uh, if you're not irrigating, it just goes dormant, and then it'll come back and gangbusters in the fall again and look great into the spring. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously fall, it has to be a good time to plant sod if you want to also. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about treatment of sod if, you know, from a fertilizer standpoint, you know, also from a weed control standpoint, you know, what should we think about? We put a nice sod down, you know, we've got areas of lawn right around it that 
are full of weeds, that that can't be a good situation either, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you see uh, a couple patches of sod in the middle of the lawn, and, and it just makes the rest of that lawn look even worse. <laughs> when you first put the sod in, boy, does it look good. Right. Um, and if you're going to do some sod, of course, the most important thing, again, is soil prep. You know, you can... Uh, you know, have the opportunity then to really clean up the soil and remove what's there in the way of weeds, and and uh, you don't have to go crazy with the rototiller or anything, but to have a good, uh, you know, seed prep, uh, make, you know, perhaps some fresh soil down is mm-hmm. a great idea, and and to put down a starter fertilizer before you put the sod down and mix it into the ground a little bit. You mm-hmm. also might want to check the pH and see if you need any lime or any of our uh, Turf Turbo, which is a high efficiency lime product. Uh, the talk- pH is, is very important for the success of uh, turf and all plants, really. Uh, but once you put that sod down, you got to water it like mad, keep it really wet. But, you know, doing it in the fall is going to be a lot easier to keep it wet than it would be in the summertime. Weeds next door to it, when you patch it with sod, that, that, that's pretty rough because it makes the rest of that lawn look, look, look lousy, unfortunately, sometimes. Absolutely. So- sod always looks so good. All right, talk a little bit about Turf Turbo and why you use a high calcium efficiency lime comparative to our old-fashioned limes, because I, I think customers don't understand the fact that, number one, it's cheaper per square foot, and also what they're putting on their lawn makes a huge difference when it comes to lime. It, it does, and, you know, actually just the, the first part, but before you get to the point of deciding which product to use, it's just to understand that if your pH is not right, what it, what pH is doing is helping the fertilizer work better. Mm-hmm. So if your pH is uh, too low, which is kind of natural in our soils in New England um, and up in Maine, it, uh, when you put down the fertilizer, only about half of it perhaps might be uh, available to the plant. And then when you raise the pH closer to neutral, it weakens the bonds in the soil that's holding the fertilizer to the soil, and it makes it more available to the plant. So... You know, in a way, you're you're more than in a way. You're definitely wasting your money mm-hmm. when you put down fertilizer if your pH isn't correct. Then, you know, to choose our our um, turf turbo instead of regular lime, uh, what happens there is that it works within a month or so. It works right away instead of mm, six months that lime takes to break down. And uh, we've put an organic acid in into the the calcium product so that it works quickly. Okay, and and so you're going to see the results right away uh, with the pH change. So, so uh, that's our turf turbo, and you know you might want to get your pH test uh, done. I bet Tom, you do. You might do those over at the garden center. I bet we do. And, we do. Uh, yep, great, and see what the uh, pH is, and and they can advise you on on how much of the product used because yeah. not only does it work faster, it, it you need much less of it. So typically, you know, people need to put several bags of lime, like, you know, an average lawn that's 10,000 square feet might need, you know, very easily 10 or 20 bags, Right. you know. And uh, so instead of doing that, it's a lot easier to put down our turf turbo because, you, you know, you might only need, uh, you know, two or four bags instead. And that's a lot of work spreading lime. So, Absolutely. So it uh, makes it a lot easier to use our turf turbo as well. Yeah, I tell customers basically you're looking at, if you're using a pelletized lime, you're one bag of turf turbo to five bags of a lime, cal, you know, a pelletized lime, and ten bags of that white dust. You know, so if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, if you're talking a, a pelletized lime, you know, our old fashioned product at five dollars a bag, you, you need five bags. That's twenty five dollars a bag. Well, 
you know, for the same amount of product, you're, you know, down in the 17 or $18 range for the Turf Turbo from, from us. A lot of people will walk through the door and they look at that one bag and they go, oh my God, I need 10 bags of that. And why is it so expensive? And then you explain the technology and the reasoning and they go, oh, this is awesome. I don't only, I only need three bags. This is great. <laughs> you know? It's, you know, it's a lot of work to haul home all that lime and spread it, so the Turf Turbo is very appealing. Absolutely. So, last but not least, of course, I want to talk about this maize product, because we, we talked about it earlier in the season with you. You know, the new corn gluten product we're carrying, you know, it's in a spray bottle. I used it in some of my gardens. I used it in the vegetable garden, and I also used it in some flower gardens, and I had pretty good results with it, Art. But... Is that a product we should think about using in the summer months, you know, on some of that crabgrass? We might be a little late for it this year, but, you know, is is it something that we could use to knock out some of those seeds and, and stuff that are germinating in the in the fall? That's right. You know, in the fall, you get another, uh, another uh, batch of seeds and weeds that germinate when the moisture comes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those seeds, those weed seeds are smarter than you think they are. They're... They're sitting there when it's hot and dry and then waiting for their opportunity. As soon as they get a little moisture, they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So if you can uh, time your, your maize application, um, you know, right before the wet season comes and, and get it down, you know, it lasts about five or six weeks. So mm-hmm. it does need to be reapplied anyway. If you apply it in the spring, you'll need a, another fall application anyway. So if you have some, uh, um, you know, uh, garden areas that you expect you're going to get some weeds this fall, it'd be a great idea to get that uh, maize down pretty soon. Now, remember now, it doesn't kill the existing weeds. It only kills the, the seeds as they're germinating. So, right. so the timing right about now is coming up pretty good here. So as the, as the weather turns and we start getting uh, some moisture, uh, those, those seeds will be wanting to germinate, and it'll be time to get that uh, maize down. Well, it's a great scenario. You know, if you're going in, it's late summer, the weeds have started to grow, we've got to go in and clean up again. I like to use this product. I clean the garden. I pull all the weeds I can, and then I give it a day or two. Any of those little weeds that are kind of just sitting on top, they need that sunlight to kind of kill them off. And then I come in and I spray that maize product right over the top. It's nice because it's safe on on the grass, so I don't have to worry about it. It's completely organic. I can go right over the top of the plants. In It'll wash right down in around the bases of the plants. I really like the product art. I think it's I think it's going to be a really good good product for a number of years here. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And as Tom said, that you know it won't hurt the existing plants. It won't bother your vegetables. It won't bother your lawn. It won't bother your perennials or your annuals. Only the seeds of those weeds that are ready to come up. Absolutely, Art Crockett from Bonide Art. Thanks for being on again. We'll have you back uh, pretty soon. Great, Tom. I appreciate you having me, and I enjoy uh, talking with you. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of the fall. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You know those design shows where a gardening expert shows up and overhauls the landscape of some unsuspecting homeowner? You're probably not going to be on one of those shows. Planting a landscape is hard work, and it's not for everyone. Make it easier with the planting service from Estabrooks. For as little as $45 a plant, Estabrooks will get your plants into the ground and off to a great start, giving you time to relax and enjoy the season. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. 
Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. Ah, you know, art always brings kind of a, a whole bunch of stuff to the table here. You know, preparation beforehand is key. You know, even if we talk about the mouse magic, you know, buying that, having it ready to go, do a couple rounds. It's inexpensive. Put it in, you know, 1st of September, freshen it up the 1st of October, and then we'll be pretty well frozen up after that. You know, so you'll kind of cover yourself. So, you know, grab a couple packages, you know, two or three packages when you're in the store. Um, if you're passing by, grab it. You know, it's just an easy thing to throw in the pantry and you know you have it and boom, you put it out. First cold couple days, you know the mice are going to be looking for a place to go. So get ahead of it, you know. Uh, great, you know, t- topics on seeding your lawn, um, weed preparation, the maize product, a lot of good info there, you know. Again, I like that maize product. I'm I'm pretty impressed with it. So give it a shot if you haven't tried it. Again, he said every five to six weeks. So you got to be cautious about that. I like to use it even a little more often than that. If I clean the garden, I just grab it off the shelf. It's in a nice hose end sprayer. Spray right over the top of the plants. Boom. I'm, I'm knocking those seeds that maybe I missed. But... You know, I mean, everything takes time, right? And gardening's supposed to be fun. So uh, any way we can knock the weeds down, I'm I'm all in favor of it. But here's a question to wrap up the show. You know, uh, what is the proper bed size for shrubs and perennials? I tend to overplant and make my beds too small. Can you give me some general info? I know this question's pretty broad-based, and there's not a whole heck of a lot, you know, but just give me some general parameters. You know, it, it's tough to to tell you because I don't know what plants you're putting, but let's just think about this, okay? Number one, what is your pruning going to be like? The smaller your beds are, the more you're going to prune. What are your plant purchases going to be like? But here's some general, just general, you know, things. I like to figure a perennial is going to at least take three feet by three feet. I know you buy that little itty bitty pot. And there's obviously exceptions to every rule. But for your more vigorous growers, plan on three by three or four by four. That's a lot of space. That's a lot of space. And when you plant, you're going to go, my God, there's all kinds of room. Put some annuals in there. Annuals die every year. You can put less annuals the year after. Same thing on trees and shrubs. Space them out. Plan for the future. Plan for your ultimate size. Now, come in and talk to us, okay? All of our signage, all of our website information is a 10-year size with proper pruning. I go over this time and time again with customers. Plants do not stop growing. They don't know six feet and I'm going to stop growing. It's It doesn't happen. It's not like people. We stop growing at a certain point, and we may grow in other directions. That's just a normal part to life, okay? But for us, it's different, okay? When it comes to plants, they just keep growing in all directions. They keep growing. So pruning is very important. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about pruning, okay? You start to prune a plant when it's two-thirds the size you want to keep it, okay? 
So if it's five feet you want to keep it, you start pruning at three feet. Okay? And why do I say that? Because if you prune back to three feet every year, it's going to put on a foot to 18 inches of growth, and then it's going to bloom. Okay? Now, obviously, there's exceptions to every rule, and you talk to us, but the biggest mistake people make is they allow their plants to get too big before they start to prune. The topic I always tell people is prune when the pruners are sharp. Okay? When you're out gardening, it's important. Timing is always important, but prune more often. Your plants will have more blooms, and you will have nicer-looking plants and a much more manicured. The biggest thing is customers are afraid to cut their plants back. It's their number one worry when it comes to plants. Okay? So get out there in your garden. Think about what you need to prune. Come and talk to us. Don't prune off those spring buds. Don't cut back that endless summer. Come and talk to us about what plants you can prune this fall, and we'll come up with a plan of what we're going to prune next spring. Okay? So very important timing and type of plant. Write down all the types of plants you have. Come in with a list. We'll go through them. We'll give you recommendations. We'll talk about fertilizer. Again, if you don't know what the plant is, take a picture with our mobile app, send it off. We'll tell you what the plant is, how to plant it, how to prune it, all of those things. Okay? So another Saturday morning wrapping up. Let's face it. It's fall. Not really. It's still summer. Get out there. Enjoy your garden. Enjoy your garden.